Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Square Circle Podcast. And if you love listening to this podcast and want to consider making your own podcast, just download the Anchor app. Anchor allows you to make any type of podcast you want all in one place, all for your convenience. You might think that this has some strings attached. It does not. So let me explain what Anchor can do for you. It is currently free. Well, it's probably always going to be free. There's creation tools within Anchor that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. How easy is that? And then Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify Apple, and all major podcast programs. And you could also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It has everything you need in one place. Now all I need you guys to do is to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode, we will be talking about AEW Dynamite that just passed on March 18, 2020. We will go over the phenomenal Cody Rhodes promo that opened up the show, the matches, the two awesome debuts at AEW Dynamite, despite there being no crowds, and two MVP highlights of that night. That was one of the best AEW Dynamite shows they ever put on ever since they created the company. I was very happy with it. It brought a smile to my face. It took away all my worries just for two hours of amazing content. So Cody Rhodes opens the show. This is the most crucial promo he has ever delivered. And it was amazing from start to finish. He assured everyone who watched that we should not really be living in fear because he feels alive and he feels confident and we should all feel the same even during this pandemic that we're all going to get through together if we just stand together as one huge team. Cody Rhodes is also inspiring in the fact of he can calm your fears and also get you hyped for blood and guts. That is his extraordinary power. Listening to that promo made me want to be on the elite side anyway, even though I am a fan of the elite and I'm also a fan of the inner circle. But if it comes down to who to choose and if you were to ask me, I would definitely choose the elite team because I just love them wholeheartedly. Not saying I don't love the people on the inner circle, but for the sake of keeping it kayfabe, and for professional wrestling, I choose the elite. So Cody is hyping up for Blood and Guts. He tells his three best friends, meaning Nick, Matt, Kenny, and Hangman. I know I said three. On 311, that show... Um, it was seen that the inner circle may have their hand in taking out Nick and having the garage door on top of his face. So he's out indefinitely and he will not be at the blood and guts episode, which yes, by the way, I do know that Tony Khan put out a mini press release. If you want to call it that saying that blood and guts will not be debuted, uh, this coming week um only because 
that has to be done in the right setting where there's fans in it because it'll get a much better pop. It'll feel much better. So next week on AW Dynamite, it will be Chris Jericho and Matt Hardy headlining that show along with all the amazing AEW talent and producers and everything like that on that side. Anyway, so Cody asks for Matt, Hangman, and Kenny Omega to put their differences aside because Cody needs all these guys up to 100% commitment in order to take out the inner circle. And that is what Cody asks of them. Cody Rhodes mentioned something interesting about Hangman. He basically tells Hangman to get over the fact that Hangman lost to Chris Jericho to not become the first ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion. And then Cody follows it up with saying that Cody didn't win either. And Cody got over it, even though... um, Maybe one day, you know, he'll be able to get another title shot. I thought that was interesting, and that added more character and more layers to Hangman and what he's currently doing right now in his current role. Despite Hangman taking on the drunk character, he has shown all of his heart and charisma in the ring with his talent and his ability, even if he doesn't want to be tagging alongside of. Matt Jackson and feeling some type of way. Hangman is sort of justified in how he feels because no one has given him the correct celebration when he won the tag team titles. And then it just feels like he is the odd man out no matter what. And Cody also mentioned amazingly that, you know, if Hangman, you know, doesn't want to feel like he's the other guy in the elite, just don't be the other guy. And I totally understand that. After that, they basically welcome everyone who is watching at home to the show. And then that's when the show begins. That was one of the best openers on any professional wrestling show I have ever seen. Now that the show can go on as normal, there are several wrestlers in the crowd sitting ringside and being fans. And I think that added to the show entirely. The honorable mentions, the MVPs of that entire night was definitely MJF and Sammy Guevara. Now, On the past episodes of this podcast, I did mention that MJF was never my favorite. MJF had to grow on me, and MJF did just exactly that. MJF did grow on me. He solidified himself as a heel, and he did that when him and Cody were still feuding, and Cody agreed to take the 10 lashes. That is when he solidified himself as a heel. And then now everything is like clockwork. Everything now is on point. Especially when he is betting on matches with Sean Spears. I highly want to see MJF and Sean Spears team up as a tag team. Because they will destroy the tag team division. They're smart and witty 
and both of them can get away with anything, especially with having Tully by their side. They could definitely scheme to make some stuff happen. But after that interaction and how smoothly it was, they really need to form a tag team. And I really want to hear you guys' comments and your thoughts about if it were to ever happen, do you think that it could work? MJF and Sean Spears teaming up as a tag team. Maybe then Sean Spears will find his perfect partner. Sammy Guevara grew from loco wrestler to megastar. And that's because when you're with Chris Jericho, you learn to just do things over the top. And over the weeks, Sammy has been getting better and better in his promos. And if you do watch his YouTube channel, Again, this is not a paid plug at all, but I do watch his content and I love to see his experiences in everything that he does. And he's so humble about it that you should go and subscribe to his YouTube channel. Just putting it out there. You could also subscribe to this Anchor podcast as well and wherever else you listen to your podcast, Square Circle Podcast. Anyway. Yeah, Sammy has grown from local wrestler to now megastar, and him singing Chris Jericho's theme song, Judas, as if it was karaoke night, definitely made the show that much better and turned him into a mega superstar. And that's the kind of content that we want to see. At least if you watch that, you know that people in AEW are having so much fun. And who wouldn't want to be there? That's super fun to just act either over the top or act like how you would normally act in real life with people and, you know, tell people every day what you do for a living and you're very proud of it. The first match was the Lucha Bros versus uh, Best Friends. This felt really good to watch um, without a crowd for some reason. I don't have an exact reason why I feel that way, but that's what it did. It was really, really nice. I think it was because I can watch it without watching the crowd reaction. And sometimes I like watching the crowd reaction to see how they pop or boo or cheer certain things that happen in the ring or just watch that, you know, they're very uninterested because that happens. Um, so during the match, Trent does some double knees to Ray Phoenix, and then there is a double suplex from Best Friends to Ray Phoenix. And this was when Pentagon had got tagged in and then started kicking at Trent's uh, hamstring. They sounded really powerful and really nasty. Everyone is on the outside uh, brawling. There's some, there's some mayhem going on there. Everyone is on the outside uh, brawling. There's some, there's some mayhem going on there. Pentagon does a front chancery into a DDT attack, and then I believe he had to do it on Trent. So that way Chuck can do a backbreaker to Phoenix. There is that power driver that Pentagon does to Taylor. Orange Cassidy gets on top of the, I believe the top rope to do this leap of faith onto the Lucha Bros. Orange Cassidy gets into it too. And then towards the end of the match, Pentagon does the package power driver to Trent and pick up the win. So Pentagon picks up the win for their team. It was a very nice, fast-paced match, almost, in a way, where the crowd was getting into it, 
and it felt good overall. So Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix and teamed the up next to match call the themselves a women's death, fatal death four-way triangle. match. This I don't match know why they picked that name was match of the night for the women. Very this match was match of the night for the women. It was done great. Everything looked really good. And it looked like there was a lot of communication of, you know, smoothness. This is what we're going to do. This is, um, these are the moves that we're going to do and everything. It looked really smooth. Not like how it's been before with the AEW women. And this usually happens when it gets lost in translation when American women are working with the Japanese women. And that's not to sound racist or sexist, you know, stuff like that. If you want to think of it that way. No, it's just, if you really look at wrestling matches and not be a fan, you would see the breakdown of that. There's always some type of miscommunication happening and some loss in translation stuff that happens and why certain spots look the way that they look. So as you guys know, I'm in the business and I look at these matches from a business standpoint rather than a blind fan or a casual fan's standpoint. I like breaking down matches. I like discussing that, you know, they should have done it this way. They should have done it that way. They messed up on that spot, you know, stuff like that. Like I got the veil lifted um, and I no longer watch any of these matches like a casual fan would do. And I could definitely tell the difference on Twitter when I read some comments about, you know, when people talk about matches and when people talk about wrestling, I'm just like, yep, can tell the difference. So in this one, it is Penelope Ford versus Rio versus Chris Statlander versus Sheeta. Penelope Ford is really underrated. She is super, super, super talented. Yes, in this match, there was a miscommunication that really didn't work really well, but that's okay. Because mistakes happen, um, calculation and timing, you know, can happen as a mishap. Anything can happen. It's totally fine. But she rebounded when she did the Frankensteiner to Chris. Beautiful, the way it was executed. So Penelope Ford is highly underrated and needs more of a push, needs more of a spotlight. Riho is coming back from Japan. She is no longer our AEW Women's Champion. She looked really good in the match, too. Really, really good. Um, it looked as good as if all the competitors... Well, minus Sheeta. But, like, if this was a stardom uh, match where she worked well with everybody... Chris is also amazing to watch in the ring. Uh, she has a new aggressive side to her, which is really, really, really good. And then Sheeta. Sheeta does it all. Like, she plays piano. She has character to her. She has a personality. She comes out. Like, you root for her, and her wrestling ability is really, really good. 
her combinations when she's in the ring is executed perfectly. She knows how to tell a story as well. So I'm happy that all four of these women got the chance to showcase their ability, either facing each other, working together, or just destroying each other all the same while. Fantastic, fantastic match. Kip was on the outside, and Kip has been getting involved in Penelope's matches to have her win. And now I think they're starting a story with Riho. Here are my notes from the match. Chris forearms Kip because Kip is getting in the way of everything. Chris and Sheeta team up against Ford for a little bit. Rio does a crossbody to the women. Chris does a backbreaker to Rio, which looked really bad because Rio is 98 pounds and that shit must hurt. Rio and Ford team for a little bit to do a double suplex. And then Rio hits a knee to Kip. Because once again, Kip keeps interfering. That reverse Frankensteiner uh, is done by Ford, which I said earlier looked fantastic. Sheeta does the Falcon Arrow to Ford. That's when Ford kicks out of the Falcon Arrow. Nobody kicks out of the Falcon Arrow, but Ford did. So Sheeta decides to do a running knee strike to Penelope Ford, and that ends the match. Sheeta ends up getting a one, two, three. Like I said, fantastic AEW women's match of the night. Man, Jungle Boy has all of the talent and charisma to. To put on one hell of a match. He is super quick in the in the ring, which might be a little troublesome for both the blade and the butcher. Of course, you know, wrestlers can adapt to stuff, but you know, Jungle Boy is way too fucking quick. It's like Sonic in a way. It's definitely like Sonic. So At one point, Butcher and the Blade throw Jungle Boy into the barricade. That definitely has to hurt. Luchasaurus does a moonsault to the Butcher. Now, whenever Luchasaurus does his moonsaults, those things look pretty nice. And whenever Luchasaurus is in the ring, he is a beast no matter what. All these kick and punch combinations, the tail whip, attack, everything, like, it's really good for a big guy like him to be that smooth and that agile in the ring.
men to take out certain wrestlers. Luchasaurus does his tail whip, which is just a roundhouse kick to Butcher because Butcher gets distracted. Jungle Boy jumps off of Luchasaurus' back for a drop kick. And then Jurassic Express does their finisher and picks up the victory. This was a hard-earned fought victory for Jurassic Express. Now we get into the first reveal from the Dark Order. They delivered on weeks and weeks of teasing who could be the exalted one. And it was revealed that it was Brody Lee. There was always speculation that it could have been Matt Hardy, but that's not the case. There was always speculation on, you know, who could have be, but Brody Lee is the right choice. And I'm happy to see where this goes. I am still not going to be joining the Dark Order. Do not ask me. I will not join the Dark Order. I do not join cults. I like to see where they go, and I want to watch them from afar because they're doing such a great job right now. There is a vignette, you know, who could it be, but Brody Lee is the right choice, and I'm happy to see where this goes. I am still not going to be joining the Dark Order. Do not ask me. I will not join the Dark Order. I do not join cults. I like to see where they go, and I want to watch them from afar because they're doing such a great job right now. There is a vignette that gets shown, which tells us more about the relationship of Jake Roberts and Lance Archer. Lance Archer has signed a deal with AEW to be competing there. And obviously, Jake Roberts is also all elite. And Jake Roberts is the... In this vignette, we are taken to a forest. There is a wrestling ring. There is Lance Archer. Everyone would die. That is his motto. Everyone dies. And people get into the ring, and he decimates all of them. And this is to show Cody Rhodes that no one is safe, not even Cody himself. So in the upcoming weeks, we're going to see how Lance Archer fares with the wrestlers of AEW and see what kind of involvement he plays in this whole entire thing. The last match of the night, which is the tag team match of the Inner Circle members. Jake Hager, Ortiz, Santana versus Cody, Matt, and Hangman Page. This was a very interesting match. This match is a setup for Blood and Guts. MJF is at ringside or crowdside, however you want to say it, talking shit to Cody. So Cody is getting distracted by everything that MJF is saying. And Zatanna takes advantage of Cody for a while until Cody reverses this by power slamming Santana. And this slows down the pace of the match. And it also slows down Santana's advantage against Cody right now. At one point in the match, Cody and Matt do tag team moves on Ortiz. And then Hagman comes in with a big boot. Matt spears Santana. 
Page then tags himself in, and he does a deadlift pump handle into a half Nelson slam onto Santana, I believe. That looked really devastating. Matt does his signature Northern Light suplex. This is not set well with Matt. This is not set well with the elite guys. But the inner circle of Hagger, Ortiz, and Satana pick up the victory. Now, as they pick up the victory, Jericho gets off a commentary. Sammy Guevara joins them all on stage. And Jericho proceeds to... Jericho then proceeds to tell the elite that the inner circle never had a problem with one another. They work well. They work like a good oil machine, and that's what they need. They need cohesiveness. The elite does not have that at the moment. So right now, the elite is at a disadvantage, and Jericho thinks that the ball is in his court when it comes to blood and gut. It is revealed that Matt Hardy is all elite. Matt Hardy has been re Matt Hardy has been reborn, and Matt Hardy is all elite. Matt Hardy has been reborn. And Matt Hardy has joined the side of the elite, which is fantastic. People are happy about this. I'm happy about this. I want to see how creative it can get and the amazing work that's going to be happening within months to come. And that was the official... I want to thank everybody for listening in and tuning in and sharing this podcast episode. This was a little bit harder for me to make only because I did not know how to approach this. I miss making content. We're in a time when everything is shut down. There are no sports. We need to take care of each other and try not to spread this virus that's making everybody into a frenzy. Just remain calm, be happy, and I will try to push out as much content as I can during this downtime. Again, make sure to thank your wrestling promotions and all the wrestlers out there that always put their bodies on the line. Yes, it's downtime for them too, but they are in need of some type of financial assistance, go out there and support them any way you can. Even if you cannot donate a dollar to their Patreon or whatever the case may be, share their content. Even content creators like me, share my content. Talk to me. I'm always available on Twitter. You can follow, you can follow me at, at Marie underscore shadows or at Square Circle Podcast. You can also follow me on squarecirclepodcast.substack.com. I also started a sports skeeta profile. I'll be writing about wrestling on there. Support me that way. Whatever you guys can. Retweets, likes, comments are not that hard. We're all quarantined. You guys have enough time to uh, talk shit to us now. <laughs>
Um, yeah. Um, I only hope that it gets better from here and that eventually we can resume our lives and enjoy professional wrestling together in one complete set rather than doing shows that have no fans. Um, it's very unique and nice for this time, but it should not be a thing much longer. So again, guys, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Square Circle Podcast where I talk about AEW wrestling. I don't want to get into any more sad stuff. I enjoy doing what I do, and I hope you guys enjoy it too. If you guys do, like always, share this, leave a voicemail. Anchor takes care of all of that. And I will see you guys in the next episode.